News Weekly is an ad-free listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like Zoe Griffin, Lindy Conway, Christopher Neal, and hopefully you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast, where you can find my latest book recommendations, free short stories and essays, and tickets to my upcoming comedy festival shows in Perth, Sydney, and Melbourne. That's patreon.com slash Shah. Top Stories of the Week Ukraine kills almost as many Russians as Putin The US government somehow manages to do even less work than it already wasn't doing And China's Coviding like it's 2020 All that and more on News Weekly Hello and welcome to 2023. I'm Sami Shah and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. The princes formerly known as brothers news now. With the start of a new year, the world hopes to leave behind some of the struggles that defined the previous year and look ahead at a new tomorrow that might be better than the days that came before. A tomorrow full of hope. A tomorrow full of healing, and a tomorrow in which the mistakes of the past can be learned from, instead of repeated. Which is why the early leak of Prince Harry's memoir is so important to show us just why the young prince's relationship with his family got so irreparably damaged. The biggest revelation so far is, of course, that his brother, Prince William, the future King of England, once physically attacked him. And abrasive, he said. He grabbed me by the collar, ripping my necklace, and he knocked me to the floor. I landed on the dog's bowl, which cracked under my back. Just kidding, I don't care, and neither should you. The fact that being inbred brats, whose only real value is to continue to symbolise the impotence of the British taxpayer in trying to spend their money on anything actually beneficial to them, doesn't somehow prevent the absolutely normal sibling rivalry that any two brothers whose mother died in a car crash with her Egyptian lover while their dad married his mistress and their uncle is a pedophile would experience should not be a news story. Especially when we should instead be focusing on this. Just after midnight on New Year's Day, Ukraine launched a strike against Russian forces. Ukraine initially said 400 Russians died. Moscow said it was 63. See, Ukraine's surprise attack was at a target in the city of Makivka. Makivka is a city in eastern Ukraine, currently under Russian occupation. Makivka is also the sound you make if you ever eat the Ukrainian delicacy of holodets, which is boiled pork in a cold jelly made of bones and cartilage broth. Makivka! The attack has dealt a severe blow to Russia as the target was a college building packed with Russian troops, almost all of them fresh conscripts, who hadn't even seen action yet. While Russia initially downplayed the death toll, it since acknowledged both the attack and the rising numbers in a TV appearance by an official from the Russian Defence Ministry. Unfortunately, the number of our fallen comrades has increased to 89. Based on Russian math, 89 is equal to several hundred, much the same way that Russian geography somehow confused all of Ukraine with the suburb of Moscow. Russian authorities have analysed the attack and figured out the blame falls not on the Russian strategy to put so many conscripts in a single building, nor to leave large amounts of Russian armaments near the buildings which added to the size of the explosion. No, the real blame 
goes to mobile phones? It is already obvious that the main reason, despite the restriction, was that the personnel within the range area of enemy firepower turned on and used mobile phones. Basically, it's not bad enough that phones these days can cause ADHD and screen addiction, they can also attract Ukrainian missiles. If that doesn't discourage Russian teenagers from too much TikTok, nothing will. Analysts claim this is Russia just shifting the blame, with any future attacks likely to be blamed on violent video games and rap music. However Ukraine orchestrated the attack, its success can be attributed to a new weapon system given to it by the US. They use the US weapon system known as HIMARS. They're very, very lethal. They're very, very accurate. I think if in fact four were fired, and hit an ammunition dump, that would explain the large amount of explosions and the large amount of casualties. The HIMARS, or High Mobility Artillery Rocket System, proved so effective, the attack became an advertising campaign for the weapon. The US was first notified of a likely Australian purchase. There's confirmation of a multi-million dollar sale. The greatest expansion in the land strike capability for the Australian Army in living memory, if not ever. Australia is spending $385 million on 20 HIMARS systems, which have been given an endorsement by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky himself. The word HIMARS has become almost synonymous with the word justice for our country. Who says celebrity endorsements don't work? Now, finally, the Australian military can avenge its defeat in the Great Emu War of 1932. Putin has responded to the attack by relieving stress the only way he knows how. Now, a Russian politician has been found dead in India's Odisha state after a mysterious fall from a hotel. At least he's consistent. The new McCarthyism news now. Nothing is easy in America anymore. An election can result in an attempted coup. If there isn't a school shooting, there's an extreme weather event. Donald Trump is now selling NFTs and there's no Speaker of the House for the first time in 100 years. We begin in Washington, where the US House of Representatives has adjourned in disarray after three failed attempts to elect the Republican Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. It's the first time in a century the procedure has failed on a first vote. A small number of hard Republicans are refusing to support Mr. McCarthy and nothing can go ahead in the House until a new speaker is elected. That's embarrassing for Kevin McCarthy, whose party holds a lead in the House of Representatives that's so tiny he needs almost every single vote to be in his favour. Embarrassingly for him, he's been nominated three times and lost the nomination. I mean, it cannot get worse than that. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy failed for a sixth time to secure enough support to become Speaker. Six times? Give it up, Kevin. How much humiliation can one man take? Actually, it turns out, a lot more. Eleven formal embarrassing rejections in his attempt to be Speaker now under his belt. Eleven! He's been rejected 11 times. By now, he's basically just stalking the House of Representatives like a creep in a Bollywood movie, getting stronger with each rejection, thinking his big dance number with the girl is just one more attempted rejection away. So why is McCarthy being rejected by some members of his own party again and 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 again? Here's Robert Draper of the New York Times. It, it's um, a far-right group, principally members of the House Freedom Caucus, who um, are determined to show 
uh, to the sort of MAGA base that um, the, the Trump base that still forms, you know, the backbone of the Republican Party, uh, that they're fighters. And exactly what they're fighting for is sort of unclear. They only know what they're fighting against, which in this particular case is Kevin McCarthy, uh, who they've never um, altogether trusted or liked. Uh, McCarthy has offered himself up as someone who will help um, uh, conservatives get what they want, but he himself doesn't possess a similar ideology, and they're all too aware of that. Basically, Kevin McCarthy isn't right-wing enough for the far right of the Republican Party. So just who is Kevin McCarthy anyway, and how right-wing is he? Well, he's anti-abortion, although that's a given in the Republican Party these days, and it's pretty much a guarantee that he's personally paid for at least one abortion. He's also anti-LGBTQI, which means he's probably gay. He's also voted in favour of overturning the 2020 election, has backpedaled on criticisms of QAnon, and once got AIDS to pick through a bag of Starburst candy to give to the then-President Trump a jar full of his two favourite flavours. I'm not making that up, you can look it up yourself. Apparently, McCarthy was willing to do almost everything short of storming the Capitol with a pocket full of zip ties, which is why the far-right members of his party see him as a woke lefty. The failure to elect a speaker is so unprecedented, it's making the Republican Party look dysfunctional. And this is literally the party that still can't decide if the January 6th attack on the Capitol was a coup attempt or just a barbecue that got a little bit out of hand. What you're seeing with dis this discussion does not mean that we are dysfunctional. That's like pointing to the pee stain on your pants and saying this is definitely not pee. It looks like pee. It smells like pee. It's definitely dysfunctional. Until a speaker is sworn, everything else has come to a stop. No new members of the House can be sworn in, no bills can be passed, and no one can be briefed on national security matters. No one in America has noticed any difference either. So what does Kevin McCarthy, the man of the 11th hour, think of all of this? This takes a little longer and it doesn't meet your deadline. That's okay, because it's not, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Spoken like a man preparing for his 12th rejection. Out with the new and in with the old news now. Because 2023 thinks it's 2020, for some reason Iran is in the news and there are new travel restrictions on China. At the current rate, I'll get fired from my job soon, my wife will have an affair, and I'm going to spend the rest of the year crying while playing Last of Us 2 on my PlayStation. These travellers from China and Hong Kong were among the first to land in Sydney and Melbourne on day one of Australia's new screening measures. They needed to record a negative COVID test. Like all Australian COVID policies, this one was also needlessly confusing. Our fly was like 9.20 Hong Kong time, which is past midnight Aussie time. So we're like, oh, you know, do we get a test or not? So we just got it anyway. And the restrictions aren't actually in line with the recommendations of the chief health officer, who says there isn't enough justification from them. Still, many European countries and America are also implementing the same policy, which has resulted in China crying foul and warning of retaliation. We have noticed that health experts in many countries had recently said the coronavirus strains currently circulating in China had been seen in other parts of the world before. China always believes that the national pandemic prevention measures should be scientific and appropriate and should not be taken as a chance for political manipulation. Except... China has long required visitors to quarantine on arrival. As that policy comes to an end, 
incoming visitors will continue to be required to register a positive COVID test, the very policy it insists other nations don't impose on them. Meanwhile, China is still struggling to contain the outbreak it claims isn't happening. The government says China's COVID-19 situation is under control and the worst of the outbreak is over. But here, at one of the biggest hospitals in Beijing, the wards are still overflowing with people and many have had to wait hours to see a doctor. Medical staff are under immense pressure. Many have fallen ill themselves. You know what, I'm just going to plug in the PlayStation now. I'll see all of you in 2024 when we'll have 2021 problems. That's it for this edition of News Weekly. Thanks so much for sticking around. For those of you who didn't bail on me because I took a couple of weeks off around the new year, News Weekly will be back now again with every Saturday morning drop. Um, I don't know when you listen to this, to be honest, but Saturday morning is when I put this out. Oh, also, as I said in the early announcement, if you are a member of my Patreon page, I'm going to be putting out the details very soon for how you can get free tickets to my comedy festival shows in Melbourne, in Sydney, and in Perth. Dates have almost all been announced at this point. Sydney, I think, still has to be announced. But yes, anyone who joins my Patreon gets a free ticket plus one. So that's a pretty great deal. Uh, otherwise, I'll see you right back here next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.